Welcome to Social Sessions Behind the Bars, Reformed Voices. In this episode, we will look at three former prisoners who share unfiltered stories of life behind bars and the powerful bonds that emerge from adversity. We will look at a system in reverse and show how and why the minority managed to change and how the majority gets swept up by the vortex. That is prison. I'm Sean Toll and I'm joined by Jordan, aka Hawaii Five-O and Adam Raja. Today we're diving into the heart of their experiences in prison and showing how, in the eyes of adversity, you can find humour in tribalism. So how you doing, boys? What about if I've seen you, big man? I know, it's good to have you, man. So, um, what I'm kind of wanting to do with this, right, we'll, we'll delve a wee bit into both your histories, right, but just kind of, um, this episode, I just want to kind of show, don't want to glamorise it and don't want to go down that kind of road, but I just want to show how we manage to face adversity and you manage to... Um, probably come like a wee brotherhood, do you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. you know yourself how that comes. So um, I'll bring you in first of all. So can you tell us a wee bit about your history and like where you grew up and stuff? So I grew up in Cardonald, uh, in the south side of Glasgow. Uh, had a fairly average childhood and that kind of thing, man. When I went into secondary school, that's when I started kind of hanging about with gangs. Getting up to all sorts of mischief, just a no. typical teenage boys day and what they'd done at that time. Got involved in some petty crime. I would never say I was, I'm going to go as far to push the boat to say I was a criminal. Done some stupid stuff, gang fighting, drinking in the street, or that daft uh, kind of coming of age stuff. Then I uh, spent my first time in jail when I was like, 17. That was for a knife. Uh, it was actually a breach of bail. I get caught with a knife in a gang fight, and uh, I just never stuck to the bail. Never took Aye. it seriously. Then got the first taste of prison. And it was only a 17-day remand. It was Iona One in Pullman. So when I got that kind of taste it, it didn't put me off because it was a laugh. Aye. And it was like, you're 17 days, you're in and out. It's like a holiday. Aye. That's the way you perceive it because I know I'm on the way out the door. Aye. Then uh, a few months later, I ended up getting done with attempted murder and I got a four and a half year sentence. And that's where it kind of changed things. I got used to a prison regime, I adapted to a prison regime and I've matured in the jail, I'd say, as such. Then... I get released for that sentence, started, just went into the party mode, taking drugs and that kind of thing, and soon led into a recall after a bit of a wild party. Then I, after that, went back into drugs, uh, every day using that kind of thing, man. My life was just pretty chaotic. Then I ended up getting done with a possession of a knife and a shoplift, and I tried to steal two bottles of tequila and a meal deal at a Morrison's, <laughs> and I had a blade in my bag because right. I owed it thousands of pounds of drug debts man that was just damn stupid stuff going up the town and trying to steal t-shirts at night and all that man it was fucking mental chaos I uh, mental <laughs> just pure that way but to you it's normal and I was like yeah it's a guy I get two bottles of whiskey at Morrison's there like, here we go because that's your booze for the weekend <laughs> crazy thing is as well I was on my way to work and I had money to pay for the stuff I stole but if I didn't pay for the stuff I stole then that was my money to get uh, gear aye. and so that Happened in 2018, the trial, the case never actually came back around because of COVID and I was on the run for like a year. It never came back around to like 2021. So by that point, I'd kind of started doing my social media stuff and kind of found an outlet to focus on before I was just dead scattered because I didn't really have any, any to focus my energy on. So I ended up getting found guilty at trial, done a 14-month stint. And I would say that was my shortest sentence, but probably my hardest because I was doing so well. And then I had to get back and that was when Spice had really taken over the jail and it was it was a different jail. Aye. I felt like it was a bit of an asylum. I was just no, like, definitely. what the fuck is the matter because I was kind of out of exercise and don't get me wrong, people were doing like year remands for something that should be doing like a three month remand for. So 
uh, it was it was a chaotic environment. So only done four months ago out in a tag, and uh, I'm happy to say that was like that'll be coming up nearly three years ago. And I'm glad to put it behind us, man. And uh, I can just use use my story as uh, kind of positive inspiration for the next person. Brilliant, man. No, and that has done, as I say, it's like it's, you've been brilliant to watch and some of your stuff's hilarious, know what I mean? And, nah, cheers, mate. Uh, so what about yourself, Adam? Can you tell us a wee bit about you, just like your history and stuff? I mean, so I take it the whiskey wasn't included in the meal, do I? No, wasn't <laughs> <it>, man. <laughs> um, I similar to yourself, mate, and that's how I know you, Sean. So grew up, Cumbernauld. No from a particularly... I mean, I was from a poor background, but we weren't seriously stuck in poverty, but single parent, and that puts pressure on, the, you know what I mean, on, on my mum. So we're growing up and coming old, lots of mischief to get into, started getting involved in the young teams. And uh, we were talking about it earlier, but like, I grew up, so I grew up mixed race and I was the only brown boy in the right. scheme. So I was always kind of singled out. So the opportunity to be affiliated with some of the harder boys, I was jumping at it, mate. So... As soon as um, I had a mate that was in the young team, like I never looked back, and I mean that leads you down Aye. a pretty narrow, mm. a narrow path. So it went for being this wee scared boy, scared to fight, to drinking buckfast every weekend, and getting in fights, and then the adrenaline you get for that, and the confidence you've got for the buckfast, and you feel like a different Aye. person. Um, and I was doing that for a while, but when I sobered up, do you know what I mean? You're waking up on a Sunday morning. You've been fighting and whatever, you can't go to the shops with your mum because the, the other young team Aye. are looking for you. You can't go to the bus stop, you can't go to school because they're waiting for you after school. I was like, this isn't for me. And that, those peers and that groups, however, put me in the vicinity of older criminals. Um, that's where we're a wee bit different. I would have categorised myself, unfortunately, as a criminal because my mates, big brothers, were drug dealers. Aye. And probably about 14, mate. And I hate using this word because I would never have used it back then, but I probably was. I was probably groomed into drug dealing right. at, like, at like 14. So started selling a little bit of weed at 14. Happened to be quite good at it. And then that just snowballs. And then you go through that bit of weed to yeah, A-class drugs. And same thing, same thing as the gangs. It just goes down that one way shooting them. The deeper you dig that hole, the less options you've got. So stuck in that life. And then yeah, eventually caught and get a few lucky escapes. Like it was probably, probably eight, I think I was eighteen before I got the conviction that actually led me to jail. And it was like a long, long trial, but I got caught with a class. But I got a lot of aggravation charges as well because I was on bail right. for other charges, which I fortunately got not proven for. But I was like eighteen, turning nineteen by the time I actually did go to jail. Three year sentence. Did a bit of year yet. Um, committing the tag. Year and a half maybe committing the tag. And then, yeah, six months on the tag. Did you do a tag, mate? Aye, I done a tag as part of a sentence. So I done, like, I get 14 months, I'd serve four months on, in custodial and three months on tag. So I, th I think I found the tag worse than the sentence because you've got that sort of tease, you're like back at your mum's house and trapped. And then pro probably getting it a bit later, but that year out when I was on that tag is probably the hardest year I've had and the most turbulent year of my life. Because, yeah, you're restricted, you've got fewer options, you had no options, and that you, you, you leapt to the options that you had, and they put you in prison, and right. you're coming out. There's no new options, the same ones are run about you, you're tagged at your mum's house where you got prison. So that was hard. And for me, my escape, fortunately, was university. That was like my last ditch effort to try and change things. Mm. So I did like summer school, and right. that gets you in. So I got into university. And um, I wear many hats today, do a bit of everything, master of nothing. Uh, I always feel funny saying climbing a mountaineer because I climb nothing <laughs> hard. I'm climbing stairs. I'm plodding around mountains. Get I'm barely my way, but <laughs> go take a picture, go back to my bed. 
Um, but do a bit of mountaineering stuff, and it's got me a lot of opportunities with brands, do a lot of marketing, bit of writing, um, hapless or hopeless content creator, chasing your chill, trying to get a bit better, bit of inspiration from the big man. Yeah, <laughs> I wear many hats, mate. You're welcome. Use, <laughs> use the past as motivation and learn from it. And said I've done a lot of looking back or previous years, I'll try to look forward and see where I can where I can go and use that as motivation. Oh, brilliant, Adam. So, no, thanks for just, like, sharing your history. So, what I kind of, just the first kind of segment I just want to kind of go into, right, is just, like, um, kind of when you just, the challenges that you face when you first go into prison, right? So, when I first went into prison, right, I didn't know nothing, right? I was, like, coming out, I, I came in off the street and I didn't know nothing about prison. I th you think you know what you're going to be of any idea. So, my experience, um, I mean, I shared this on a podcast with Jordan not long ago. It was... Uh, and I don't know, I still think the boy might have been bamming me up, right? But when I first went in, I didn't have a bag of it, and I wasn't expecting to get found guilty, so I didn't have a bag of it. And so when I went in, uh, I said to the boy, can I get my suit and all that? And he gave us a, like, a small boiler suit. Obviously, I'm a big boy, you know what I mean? So you can imagine how that looked. Um, put the small boiler suit, had a fake night tick and all that on it, no <laughs> buttons. So I'm walking about, and I'm like, ah, in this tiny wee box, and I'm like, I says, mate, this doesn't fit me, and he's like, <laughs> laughing and just like kind of going like well so i've got these italian shoes on this boiler suit with eight buttons man i don't know what i look like um and i'm walking into a hole and it was you're trying to trying to be something that you're no walking into that hole because you, you just know um but i just remember walking in it was old style halls there was all boys all hanging there the bar the bar mm, the bars not all just the environment man it's like fresh meat in it totally that's what that's what you felt like and I was kind of lucky that I knew a couple of the guys that were in the hall. Um, like, and I like I knew one of the guys only because my cousin knew somebody, and um, he was well, quite well known in the hall. And I was really lucky he was there because he showed me a lot. Of, this is what you do, and got me like a good visit shirt. Because I don't know, remember? Do you remember the old Berlini visit shirts when you used to go and? You'd sometimes get handed one with no buttons and all that. Ah, it'd be a pure ah, right. Because ah, usually that's what you kind of do is try and get the guy on side that'll what's in the kit room or the kit pass because he'll sort you out a good clobber or when the good jeans come in, he'll put a few pair away for you because you go, all right, here's a pair of jeans for you. And it's that faded, washed out <laughs> look, man. And then the t-shirt, as you say, there's, there's like two buttons. There's one that's just hanging open because you see people coming in and it's like they're wearing a pair of flares. Well, let's shag out a Scooby Doo, see where the clobber they gave them. Like you get people, ah, oh, no, listen, you're not snowing me up. He's a good guy on that. But that's guys hanging to know the system. Because you do hear guys in the dog box who's going, mate, that, get his hat. Because obviously they, know, know, they know and they know who they are. And maybe being in, but your first time going out was your first time, like then, John, just when you get off that bus and you're just hitting that first kind of the, the, the reception would it feel so like so when I first went in right because I had as I say I had no concept right I knew of jail I knew of Pullman Pullman was the first jail I went in but it's like I just had this idea I'd watched boys behind bars so I'd seen right double bunk beds and all that people playing pool but I didn't know the process to get there feel it when you arrived to the jail so I Aye. went into the reception I remember just seeing all the menches it was the old reception and it was just all the graffiti and all that kind of thing. And it was like, it was like a time warp because you had like so-and-so 04 to 09 yeah. and all that. And this was like 2009 I went in. And you're looking back through time and then you get packed in. The first thing was when I get strip searched, 
Because as, as time goes on, when you're doing a sentence, you just become accustomed to it. You get Definitely. strip certs. After a visit, you get pulled in strip certs. But the first time, I was like, whoa, I need to get naked in front of Aye. this guy. And then I was kind of, I remember, and he was like, all right, need to strip. And that way, I was like, right, thinking to myself, what if I don't get a curtain or something, I can pull a bit of privacy <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I had to strip the squat in front of this guy and that. And then as you say, we all get haunted overalls, but... See, you said you get given one that was too small for you. There was a guy, right? It was a maybe about five, six, and he got handed one that looked like a parachute. Then I get handed one of the ones that was pure tiny, and I'm Aye. like, ah, could you know just swap them run? I think so, they do bam you up a lot of them. Don't ah, they, they, get, they get a laugh. They get a laugh. Because I think when you say, like, is it your first time in? Aye. I know, like, it's his first time in. <laughs> fucking rip the fish at him. So I remember we went up to Iona one and see. I don't know if it was the same when you were in Pullman because that, my first time was 2009. I think you were in about 2000s, aye. early 2000s. But the big metal route. Was aye, I, aye, was aye, that always been there? See, I, I'm not too sure if it's always been there, but that was when I went into that, I was like, ah, whoa. And it was just there, I was kind of like, ah, right, I'm in the jail. That way, it's like, I'm not going to jail. Uh, no, there's no prospect I got to jail. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. And it was kind of like, wow, man. It was weird. It, it felt quite surreal. Because when you're leading up to court, like your own bail and that kind of thing, the threat of jail is hanging over you, no matter what the charges, because right. like that, even if it's your first charge for anything, and assault, something daft, driving whilst disqualified, whatever, you've always got that thing, will I go to jail? Aye. And it's always mm. an anxiety you hold, and it's like, right, I wonder what it'll be like in jail, because everybody thinks that, it's even people that are pure straight pegs, they think, like, how would I last in jail? And everybody considers it as a thought, you watch the telly and you think, how would I last in these situations so i went up to the hall it was iona one and when we got took into the hall it was the section and then i just seen like the past men i think it was just after dinner then i was like off these guys are in the jail it's like <laughs> it was weird i'm in the jail they're prisoners i'm a prisoner <laughs> it was weird and i was suddenly there but i was quite lucky like yourself i get dubbed up with a guy uh fair oyston he was exact same age as me he was in for the same charge breach right. of bail for a knife as well and uh, great guy, man. Uh, turns out his auntie and my ma were pals, and he, he was one of them. He showed me the ropes. He showed me what he knew at the time. Not I mean there was some things like hitting the call button. So I remember the first time I see it says call the intercom. It says call and intercom. Call. I'm thinking call Aye. was like right. I want to call them. Aye. I want to get him my phone. So I hit the call button because I think I was needing a towel. And uh, he was like, ah, mate, you didn't just hit that call button, did you? I was like, ah, aye. He's like, ah, mate, you're not hit the intercom. I was like, all right. I was like, I'll just explain them. It'll be all right. <laughs> he came to the door and I was like, ah, sorry, mate, I hit the call button, mate. I thought it was the call. He's like, I hit that button again, you'll get kicked fuck it. <laughs> Slammed the door, then he gives a towel. I was like, ah, what the fuck, man? But I was lucky in that respect, too. Like, next door, a boy I was parlay at the time, he was in. And it was strange, like, the guy, uh, Sean, his name is, the boy I was dubbed up with. He was asking that way, do you know anybody that's in? Aye. And I says, so and so. And he's like, ah, he's next door, bang the ball, shouted him at the window. And I'm like, ah, I'm shouting at the window at the minute. I'm like, ah, this is mental. So I was quite lucky in that respect where I had two people that kind of showed me the ropes in that kind of way. And Aye. that's the thing as well. See if you go into the jail for the first time, even if you go to a new jail, for, for us now, we could probably go into a jail and know so and so, we'll know this person, or we'll know somebody, know somebody. If you go in and you don't know anybody, that's quite a, is, a hard man. thing to navigate. So I've been kind of lucky in that respect. Even when I went into Berlin for the first time, I walked into the hall and I knew a guy in the past. But you look at people that maybe get done with like driving offences or death by dangerous driving that are pure straight pegs. Aye. Some unfortunate incident has happened and they need to go to jail. They don't know any criminals. No. So they're literally getting in fish out of water. I kinda, I've got sympathy for their people, you know what I mean? I know. No, I've seen it myself. Like, and, and you see it with guys a lot. Um, 
there's not many, do you know what I mean? I'm, most of the people that are, are kind of usually revolving door people, but you do get the, the guys that come in and, and, and they, they stay on it. It's like a sore thumb, but it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a horrible place. It's really intimidating. Mm. What about yourself, Adam? How, how did you feel? What was yours like? Casper, is this explicit? Ah, you know I, mean, what I was shaking myself. Honestly, I and then sitting in that wee the lines van, man. I remember how like cramped that was, and I remember like the worst journey in the world, isn't it? Stopping at a zebra crossing, and that it's that double glass, and I was like, I can see the world. Banging if you want, if you want, I just want that woman to look at me, mate. Just felt helpless. And then we're heading, and I was heading to Pullman, mate, dreaded it, watched that mad BBC documentary. Uh, like, throwing snooker balls uh, <laughs> about and all that, and I dreading it, mate, you know what I mean? Um, and as well as that, like, like Pullman's a small place, like, you know the guys uh, in there, so the issues you've got in the streets and the young team beefs are all happening uh, in there as well, and you can't escape it. So I, 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 was, I was nervous, mate. And then Pullman stop came. I didn't get taken off, so I was like, what's going on here? And I ended up getting taken to Adderwell, the new, new prison. So got there, and mate, the opposite appointment walked in, everything's new, it's like a hospital, brand new clothes put on, and that was obviously my first, Aye. I hadn't seen, had the comparison appointment, new stuff, take me a cell. On the way into the cell, they're like, have you got tobacco? Do you want tobacco? And I was like, oh, I want tobacco, barely smoke. I was like, I want tobacco. <laughs> um, and I made new bedding, en suite, Cells, I was like, this is actually, I can deal with this, it's all right, toilet and all that. And um, I just went, rolled, rolled a few roll ups, sweat in my bed, had my dinner and whatever. And the door goes in the morning, and I look, Raja, gone to Pullman. That 24 hours and I taste. I was like, oh no, man, no warning. So, you were nice day. I actually think I remember somebody. Like saying you'd come into Pullman, like I think I was in Adi when you came right, in. Right, aye. Um, but obviously it was only for a night. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I remember somebody saying you were in, and then obviously I didn't get to see you. But and, mate, and I was green as anything. Like when I went to Adi, well, I don't you know what I was doing. Like dinner was getting served, and I was like walking about and just took it upstairs. But then I taken to Pullman, and I think were I owner of the induction halls or was that? Aye, so I think <clears throat> depends if you were remand or sentence. I think I own a two. You would have like an almost a first night centre, depending how busy the place was. And then the other side, you'd have like sentenced. If you were first sentenced, you'd get papped in there. The other side, the bit man. But when I went in, it was just right into Iona One. But I remember a period in <clears throat> 2010, when I went in for the attempt murder, there was people that were like over 18 in the under 18 so because it was overcrowding. It was like a mad period, I think, 2010. Well, there was massive overcrowding. I don't know if it was all across the Scottish deals, but in Pullman, there was a big problem. Again, when I went to the LTP halls, there was people going in there for the first night and that, guys doing remands and a hallway lifers and all that. was crazy, Aye. man. Aye. <laughs> no, and that's intimidating, man, for the guys. I remember the first time I was, like, I was in Pullman. I think, I can't remember. It was, like, I, it was the second time I was in. So it was, like, the second time. It was the second remand before I was first sentencing. Aye. And uh, we were all just kind of standing outside and this big boy comes in and uh, I, get, I think he'd robbed a pub, the pub he worked on or something, but he just didn't belong in the jail. He was mm. one of the guys. Um, and I remember my pal saying to me, he's got to get dubbed up with you because he was named in with me. And I says, he's got to get dubbed up with you. And I says, he'll not get dubbed up with me. You know, I see all that. He's no, uh, and that's thing, like, right up into my cell, right? So I, I went in, I see him and that, and obviously that, uh, the big guy was kind of just sitting, he was terrified, right? And I says, what are you in for? And he says, the theft and all that. He says, I'm... Mate, I don't know I've, like what's happened here. I've like I robbed the pub and I didn't think I've, I don't know what, what I'm doing kind of thing. I meant just calm down. I was like, you want to smoke? No, that I gave him a smoke. And um, I says, listen, you're going to need to kind of 
because he was greeting and all that. I said, you're going to need to kind of hang you up. And nah, listen, I've, I fucking got my, my first night, do you know what I mean? And I was like, didn't know what, what all this place, but he was doing it in front of people and stuff. Do you uh, know what I mean? I was think like, he was going to get a bit of sympathy. Oh, just big man's take uh, a hug. just let him out. I know, and I'm like, mate, you don't want to go in that hole, like doing that. So that first night, he actually, we were sitting and it, it, so people started shouting at him, right? Because it was like his first time, you know, the window. Uh, I tried to bam up that. Uh, big man, I said, don't go to the window. And he, he was like, oh, they're, they're saying to me, they're going to do me in the morning if I don't. I said, I said, mate, they won't. I said, just don't go to the window. And he goes to the window and then they're all singing, right, shout, he's a crazy frog and all that, ah, all that, that stuff, shit. right? And I'm like, so the boy starts doing all that stuff at the window and I'm like, mate. <laughs> what, so it was like the next day and I, I said, it just, it was like, why, why, it was horrifying, it is horrifying, it's like, see when you think about it, but it's just that whole thing where people are just looking for any kind of amusement, Aye. because they're that bored, um, and it's trying to, it's like, because it is bullying, do you know what I mean, and see uh. when you look back, it's like Fiona said to me a couple of times, like, ah, like ah, that's t t terrible, that's a terrible story, and I'm like, I know, but you need to be in there to, Aye, you to, get, it. to, to get what I'm talking about, mm -hmm, it's no... Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So that's kind of what I'm going to lead on next to is like that kind of tribalism where we've spoke about it before, right? In the way that when you go in there, like it's weird because all the Glasgow boys go together, right? Mm. And then like all the Edinburgh boys will go together, or like all the Lanarkshire boys will go together, and, and it's like guys that you pro like don't they didn't go on with each other, and guys that, that so what what do you what do you guys think that is? Where do you think that comes from? That do you think that is just innate tribalism in a human being uh, or do you think tribe, it's, uh, it's attachment I think because if you look at the young teams as a whole <clears throat> I've spoken about this before we might have touched on it in the podcast we've done on premeditated part but you find that well if you look at the young team aspect and you're younger I remember noticing it and I noticed it at a young age I'm like why is it that as Maz did he stays with his granny and granda he stays with us I've got a single more it's like Nobody's got a, a complete family unit. Aye. And I noticed that. I was like, that's bizarre. Mm. And I remember saying to somebody and they just didn't get it, but it was always something that puzzled me. And it's that thing where if you've got stress at school, if you even go to school, if you get stressed in the house, you're the human a human being isn't designed to be constantly under stress, mm -hmm. constantly in fight mode. So you navigate out the household and you go towards other people that are probably in that similar situation. Aye. That's where he's bond together. So when you go to jail, no matter how hard you're it's like the very few minority of people that go into jail could probably go in their cell, nutcases and that. But even at that, some people go in, they've got that, they need that attachment. Because it's kind of, it's like you're out in bandit country, you're out in the wilderness. And it's that thing looking for people to kind of, to latch onto. And then you bond together because depending on how long you're doing, even if you're doing a demand, like I feel like it was a few months, that's a, a fair bit of time to no, be spending yourself. So naturally, and you just get to know people, you talk to people and, that's the thing, it's communicating with people and that does make it a bit easier. It makes you forget where you are because when you talk to people and you get to know people and that kind of thing, the thing I had to try and learn to adapt to was, for me, when you're in jail, it's like somebody's pressed pause in your life. Oh, like yeah. Outside is going on as normal, but you're just stopped. You can't be thinking about what what's the missus up to, what's everybody and all my pals are out tonight, man, all, it's all that stuff. You mm. can't have your head outside and your body in jail. You just need to go, ah, this is my world, you know? And it becomes Aye. your world. And you see that thing in the jail, it's like, you've got jail politics, 
oh, I see so and so, he's like an ass, or they were fighting there and that, how he's getting moved there, there, all that stuff going oh, on. It's horrible. And aye. It, aye, and all that jail gossip. Mm-hmm. And it, you know what it's like? It's like Chinese whispers, like, ah, a guy get hit by the, hit by the cook truck, you know that, man? He's in intensive <laughs> care. You see the guy the next day with a limp, man, <laughs> on top of it. But it's that thing it becomes, is in we micro society as well. You've got aye. people selling biscuits, they've got the biscuit shop, the guy with the tobacco shop, he's aye. got the maze pulse, he's got the tobacco. It's, it's mental. But it's that thing as well. It's like, you're trying to make the best out of a bad situation. So you know what I sit and think, I'm in the jail, I'm in the jail, I'm in the jail. It's like, as you say, like, people that probably when they define themselves as bullies, like you'll probably get the one or two of the bullies in the hall always picking on what you're taught about that instance. Like, he's a crazy frog and that. But if you're sitting lying at single cell or something, and you hear the lot of racket in the windies what they're going on about the guy doing a crazy frog you'll, you'll maybe no condone it but you'll listen and you'll probably laugh I can't believe they're getting him to do that but it's like you're almost an accomplice to the bullying but Aye. in your head as you say it's entertainment is better than what's on the telly and, and it's a horrible way it's just conditioning it is it's like you, you really do become conditioned into an environment that um, you need to go into survival mode and I think this is where people really get it wrong when they when, when you hear the holiday camp stuff and, and, and all that kind of stuff, we've spoke about it before on all Jordan and you, I think, I, I, I spoke to Gabber Matty and I asked him a question, I says, because I was saying, how do you, how could you say that human, you need connection for growth, right? I says like, and I love Gabber Matty, I mentioned him for fucking every single podcast, right? But anyway, I asked him a question, we went to see him and I said, we all would need connect. How do you manage to gain connection in a place that's really no go any, that's really like, chaotic and uh, like lacks that kind of empathy, compassion that probably you're you're looking for. And he said, the only thing you can do is like, look at yourself. And I, I had to go away and think about it. And I was just like, no, all he's saying there is the only thing you can do is manage yourself in the prison setting. You can't, that exterior validation is not going to come unless you're getting yourself involved in the jail politics, which is usually violence, drug dealing, um, anti-authority behaviour. If you're trying to be like positive and maybe wants to listen to that nah, in the prison, do you know nah. what I mean? It's vulnerability as well, isn't it? Like if you seem soft, like you just don't want. If you're vulnerable in there, you're going to be the one doing the crazy frog. Ah, that's out, exactly that. Out the window, and you don't have to be the perpetrator making it happen. But I was funny. You're talking about the Glasgow boys and the Cumbernauls. Um, boys like coming here because the company always get a G in a uh, postcode. Uh, I remember the Glasgow boys all getting it. At least we get a real G in a postcode, uh, no. <laughs> shouting at the window, Tez. But no, for me it was always uh, it was the same as the young teams, man. That like you said it was like, why did I go to the young teams? And the guys that was jogging dealing with, and the guys in the young teams didn't have dads, didn't have purpose, didn't have identity. Wanted that community, family mm. that you've mm. no get home. So when we're not in prison, you're just looking for the same thing, or at least I was. I get I get lucky. Um, like, I had a guy, I had no Cumberland Old Boys in my um, hall, but underneath me, one of the guys, like, freaking Dorrit was underneath me. But, like, day, must have been, must have been second week at the latest, I ended up getting the pass job. Mm-hmm. And then, like, that, that was amazing, to be honest. Uh-huh. <laughs> to be honest. Like, because you've Cause got, no, mate, that was it, you've got everything, you've got the good clays, you've got the, because my, my first pair of jeans, mate, that I got, couldn't button them, I was fat when I went in. Uh-huh. And uh, I couldn't button my jeans, man, had, had the good ones, come, come week two. But it was, it was just that fitting in and having that group of lads and that, that camaraderie. Um, same things we were looking for outside and same things that probably put us in, that young team put us in with the drug dealers. And then you're just in a different place looking for the, looking for the same thing. And I, um, 
Past job is an interesting one. Were you, were you ever on the pass at all? Ah, yeah, I, I, would, yeah. I ended up on the hall jobs. pass, then I ended up in the PT pass. Like, I, that changed it for me because I, like, I fortunately, like, going back to like when I first went, like, going to Pullman Fiadio was terrifying, mate, because I went into that induction hall, tiny cells, bunk beds. Um, fortunately, the wee guy that came in was really nice, but didn't know anyone, super paranoid. Um, and then it must have been day two, I think I was sitting and a guy walked past and I see him look at me, he's like, Dad, and then you start to meet people and stuff. But I mean, I think they're just looking for the same things we're looking for outside and we're all damaged boys, that's why we're all in there. Mm -hmm. um, Where do you think that, when, do you, when, when did you start to see the, the desensitisation? When was that moment that you realised that you were, because the moment I speak about that, that, that when I wrote in my book that I realised when I first seen um, a really bad slashing, I would see a really mm. bad, uh, violent act, and I was stone cold sober and stuff like that. It was it was horrifying. It was like a really really bad slashing, and I was like um, really took back with it. And I just remember looking about and seeing like a lot of people laughing and um, the, the 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 screws and that were running about trying to get people dubbed up and it was just mad like it was me I, I remember just going fucking hell I, I was only in like a week but then I remember probably maybe seven eight nine months later uh, my boy getting like badly stabbed at the 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 kind of end of the hall and no being affected and I remember mm. in my head going. Oh, I, like, I remember I going. That's that's me. That's that bit still. That's that away. Uh, right, so you noticed right away. I I th do you know what I think, and I think obviously I can I'm, I, I'm bringing you two boys into this fold with me, and I, I see it with other people. But I th the, the 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 difference that I think, and I think this is why the minority change, and there's only a few, and I think it's doing awareness. I think we've got a wee bit of level of awareness that some boys don't have. Mm -hmm. and some boys are unable to get just through their own whatever it is it's trauma whatever it is it's it's there but there's something that's holding them back um and i think that's where it, that's the category i would put in us and that's it which has allowed us to change and grow mm -hmm. but where would you say like the jews ever is, is there a moment that you can really you remember and go okay well, that, that mm. didn't, didn't even so feel. for me i didn't really see any like bad slashings or anything but what i noticed i seen pullman it was like it could be not like normal everything gone as you like and both it just be a fight before and anyway it's just it started to be like a powder keg environment and i remember that off as a fight and that way you pure watch it then as time went on when it was a fight why there's a fight and you'd be watching it getting a bit of entertainment Aye. then as time went on see if two people jump in a gaff you'd be one of the ones like stop looking in that gaff Aye. you'd be kind of mm. there'd be a fight you'd be aware of it but you'd be kind of doing everything to make sure that the screws didn't see you looking in because that's the thing you'd see the people they'd go all quiet they'd be playing pool they'd just stop playing pool and look in like that what the fuck he's doing Aye. stop looking it's Aye. fly grass in a sense and I was like I realised I think that became with maturity as well and that way you're like right people are having to settle something that way, music up to, used to turn, remember, uh, like turn the music up and uh, I was kind of like if people were up to something and I get a Peter you'd go out and sit out and, on the pool table and kid on you're reading a paper but you're keeping the edge and just stuff like that I suppose it's that way as well I mean you've seen it in Banged Up the Banged Up was a perfect example way when they, the, 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 the politician with a weapon mm -hmm. that was mental to me like how quickly he adapted and he was uh, sitting going oh that's a great weapon and I'm going that's a wait what did they have I've seen so that shit, shit Sandu shit Sandu uh, you know who Shit Sand is? No. He's like, uh, he's from Newcastle, man. He's done a fair bit of time, done time in like Spanish. Seen him on TikTok, actually. Uh, yeah. So, uh, 
he was dubbed up with Neil Parrish. Neil Parrish was a ex-Tory MP who got the sack because he got caught watching porn in the Houses of Parliament. So they get shacked up together. So at first, Shep was giving him a hard time, no giving him nothing. Like, he didn't have any bed or nothing. Like, Aye. the celebrities went in with fuck all. Aye. So they were kind of like, ah, he was like, ah, you can vent for yourself. That is the way it is, but that's the way it is. Yeah, it is, it is. They went, they went in with nothing. The clays had done back and it was the jail gear, sand shoes and all that, man. As if <laughs> the CID had whipped other clays off him. But as time went on, and that's another thing you notice as well, what Shep and Neil are fucking chalk and cheese. Shep, like, he's, he's like, been a, been a bit uh, established Aye. in the kind of underworld, if you like to put it that way. And Neil is like a farmer that's locked into his ways into the House Aye. of Parliament, know what I mean? At first, Shep was giving him a hard time in that, but you noticed that the two of them started to gravitate towards each other and Shep started to become quite protective of him. Definitely. <clears throat> that's the thing you find with co-pilots. I always say to people that when you're dubbed up with somebody, it's like for a period of time, like a month or something, See, after he's got split up, you've always got that wee bond there. Definitely. It's a strange thing. Nobody will ever really get it. It's like going on holiday with somebody. Mm. See, when you see each other, there's always that wee thing you've shared Definitely. that experience. It's almost like a wee brotherhood as well. So they established that. Then uh, Shep Where do you think that comes from, Jordan? Because that is kind of what I'm, like one of the reasons that I was... But that's a perfect... Where do you think that grows then? I don't know if it's maybe the two of us in a shite environment, or in a shite situation, but we're getting through it together because... If you're an audit, for the most part, you're with an audit co-pilot, you're like, ah, here, there's a cut of bar of chocolate. You, you share your stuff, or I can't just end up off the phone to that bird's arguing with on that kind of... Because you tell each other your problems, you share a lot of stuff with each other, uh, and then when you're out and about, you will talk to each other like it's one of your pals, because you, you need to coexist together. But part of me is kind of... Is it a sense of the two of us are going through a hard thing, so you're sharing that kind of hardship, or is it the fact you've literally you're smelling this cunt shit you're <laughs> hearing him pish you're listening, smelling him farting like if he's got a phone you're hearing him fucking talking on the phone Aye. to people you've got all his business because usually as well you get a letter I have somebody like oh, oh so and so said this you'll just you'll, maybe if you Aye. get a good letter you're buzzing you'll tell you it's the first port I call Aye. to talk to so I think there's that but it's like cause I think about that lately a lot of people want to experience that like when I done banged up I shared this with a guy Lee Meredith shout out Liam's for Bristol that's who I get dubbed up with first. I was dubbed up with him for two days. We get split up for a night, then dubbed up again. I'm, me and him are bros, man. Aye. And it was only like 10 days period, but it's like, just that way you just grow, grow together. It's, it's a mad thing. It's no many people. And it was only the other day that I realised it's similar to going on holiday with somebody. Like, you go abroad with somebody, and uh, let's say it's a week or something like that. But after, you, you could even go your separate ways after that. But when you see each other, there's always that wee, that moment you share. And I think that's a, a similar thing to jail. Because you're literally, what I compare it to, there is nobody, unless you're a Siamese twin, you're not going to spend that much time with another person. Even your missus, you're mm -hmm. not going to be next to your missus when she's in the toilet or whatever, or unless you're a heavy control freak, but you're not going to be sitting there every moment you've got in that prison, like especially if you're in like Berlin or Poland where you're 23 right. years a day, you're really one person, mm -hmm. you're not going to be with anybody like that, apart from your shadow. It's a good way to put it, that is definitely a good way to put it, and I, I think obviously, like, to just obviously answer Adam's question, like, that boy Neil Parrish ended up with shit and Shep says you need to look, start kind of like hardening up and all that. And um, I'll let you kind of tell it. Just so, <clears throat> Shep basically showed him how to make a razor. So he broke up with the razor blade and melted into the toothbrush and all that kind of thing. And Shep's like, this is when you slash, you slash down the way and all that kind of shit. And they go like a bit of paper and see like, the board you've got in your wall, like you can weep in board. 
they put like a bit of paper in the draft face on it and that, and he's like, that shit's like, he sliced in the way. And then like, Neil's got his glasses on, he's reading glasses and that. And he's like, uh huh, he, sl he slices the paper, he's like, that sliced around to He's like, oh, yes, and all that. And it was like, but <clears throat> part of me is kind of thinking, do you think that's fear as well? He's showing, oh, aye, that's a good blade. It's like as if to kind of agree. Aye. Almost gone like that. It's like watching, I don't know. The telly. That's a good programme or that's that's a good aye. that's a good piece of it. Oh that's good no, it's like you're just aye. telling them just to kinda of get get on side with them and that, that sense of agreement. Aye. So it might not have actually been but 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 been is, a bit of both. But it is still the way prison works and the way you become conditioned. It is aye. still uh a, a kinda of really good example of how like somebody who's a hard hitting on crime would would, would hate like before he came in was like really hard on criminals able in two weeks to start going oh this is a cracking weapon look this is like blah 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 and you're like it, really, it took me back a bit I was a bit kind of shocked with it aye ah, I mean? mate see what I noticed with all the celebrities right it was only so it was 10 days right the full experiment we were in the first two days just so we could get used to it because they wanted the celebrities to go in and for us to all be settled then they they kind of bled the celebrities into the experiment so there was six celebrities they came in like day after each other so it was over the period. So some celebrities, I think Peter Hitchens was the last celebrity and so he only done like five days or something. But what I noticed with all of them, when they went in, Harvey, <clears throat> we pop singer, he's he was the first person to go in. You could see him pure, innocent face. You could tell he'd never done a day in the house, never mind a day in the jail. <laughs> what I noticed, near the end of the experiment, or as they get more settled, they started behaving like cons. They were hanging about in the groups. They were kind of backing off with the screws and that kind of thing, you just seen them, it was that way, it's like at first they were like fish out of water, then they just, they blended in, Aye. what I noticed, and, and just their behaviours as well, that way, and it was just, it was so mental to think, it was just looking at these people, as you say, it's like, you've got politicians, you've got journalists, people that would never be in a jail under any Aye. circumstance, and it's just, even they, just blended in with it, it was crazy to look Very at. Quickly. That's the thing Aye. as well though, like, even taking it back to young people, a lot of it is learned behaviour, like, I was a bit like you, Sean, I was a bit of a scheme hopper, Aye. like I wasn't hanging about Aye. in Condora originally, Same. and you're hanging about with boys in there, like maybe they're the bad boy or the cool one, and they're teaching you how to act, so if you're like, if you're, if that's a new experience that you and you're in with a cellmate who's already been in a few weeks, you start picking up how, how to behave off them. Do you think that's, do you think that's, in, do you think that's, in I mean, obviously, I hesitate to use the word intelligent, but do you think it's... Um, I mean, self-preservation Survival instinct, die. Because it's like, you, <clears throat> you're like a chameleon. See, it's like, when you go to school, you don't want to stand out in school, you want to fit in. Mm -hmm. That's what it's all when you're getting, growing up, man. You fit in because if you fit in, you don't become a target. If you stand out, you become a target. So you're just applying stuff that you've learned for a very young age. You learn it in the young team, you fit in as well. Like people are going, right, we're going gang fighting. I don't want to go gang fighting, but I'm not going to stay in the scheme myself. How you I'm shake bag? Ah, exactly, <laughs> but you shake fuck off in, and it's like, no, and you're bombed out. Aye. So you go, even though you don't want it. So is that the same thing in the jail? It's like, go back to Bind Up, Johnny Mercer, uh, the MP, he became, what, a ca he's a cabinet minister now, I think. He done the pilot, so I've never actually met him. We never done Aye. the same experiment. So they done the experiment twice. One was a pilot, one was a real thing. You seen him in the show where they'd go like a, a launch as such, and it was like just tobacco. Obviously, tobacco is meant to be illegal in jail. Aye. And they were saying, right, we want you to go and distract the screws so we can Aye, grab this. And he went and done it. The and then Aye. he says after it, he's like, I can't believe I just went and done that. I'm usually dead straight down the line with this, but it just shows you how like, you just adapt to this environment and you just end up, because it's that thing as well. I don't want to say no. 
And see here intimidated though, like I'm not, see if I'm intimidating a man of cell with a guy who's whipping out razors, I'm not going to be like, that's a shite blade mate. I know, I know, fuck to go on it, I know, I'm doing it. Like, and you've got to put that, this is what I try and explain to people, it's like, you, you, if you go into that place and you see if you were to go like that and you showed fear with that guy pulling a knife out and showing you this is how you do it, and he senses fear, that's, you, you know yourself, there's certain people in the prison that, that can read it, amazing read situations like mm. because you, you need to you i always say you develop a sixth sense in the prison i don't know if you used to be able to, i could go back to the hall and you would know there's something's been uh, something's went down it's and like you, you could sense it in there it's I, like an energy it's like just the vibes after if there's your like, right, what's going on if there's a fight in a cell or something's been done like I, somebody's been done in or something like that you just know like what's going on here it's just I, like this the hall's a bit eerily quiet uh, the hall's not as busy as it is and you're like alright what's going on and then well you know or maybe if you're out in the yard everybody's all that tense for you like ah, something's getting flung out of the wall or something's been flung out aye so I think even like the staff become conditioned to that because I, you see them realising that the hall's and they'll sometimes say to you, they'll go what's happening like what's going down and all that mm. and like just obviously in your lap, like obviously if you're just starting back out of it you'll be like no I don't know that but they know especially some I don't know if you ever went to Castle Huntley but there was like uh, this goes up there was a guy called Sniffer and all that right Russell right and he's Russell was fucking brutal right he was like his name's Sniffer for a reason right but I mean he's got his views on the way he thinks things should be done right. and it's not the way I think I mean he he's said quite clearly a couple of times that I would use just bread and water if it was up to me but he thinks he's catching people doing things and all that when really what i've seen is it, it's mostly like the the most vulnerable people that are doing the the bo the bottom of the pile stuff that, mm. are, that you're going to get caught for do you know what i'm talking about you're not going to really get the parcel like just if you're talking for a parcel right a parcel comes over the wall it's not the person that the person that's doing it's usually sitting in the hole whose it is whose mm. parcel it is is usually sitting in the hole somebody else is grabbing it saw other people divvying it up that guy's not even touching it. Do you know what I mean? Like it's so it's it's all it's all rang in the way that it's they're it's like the, the target the vulnerable. But I think you, how else do you go about it? Like how do you how else would you go about securing a prison and offering that rehabilitative setting? How do you do that? for the screws as well. Because a lot of them, it's their job. Some of them, because the day, like, friend that doesn't know, what you'll get the, the, the morning shift, where they start at six, seven o'clock and they work to one. Aye. And then the back shift, they work for like one to nine o'clock at night, Monday to Friday. Then the weekend, they work like fucking seven to five. So that's a lot of your, you spend a lot of your life in the jail as a screw. Aye. And you think, right, I know when I go to work, I'm like, I can't be arsed tonight. I'm not getting hyper vigilant. I'm going like, I hope I get an easy shift. So if they're getting, if they can keep their bosses happy, like, look, we caught this guy with this, they're not giving a fuck who's doing what because Aye. see the guys at the top that are running the show, they're keeping a bit of law and order in the hall. So if they've got him keeping mm -hmm. everybody in check, that's one less thing they need to worry about. They Aye. can kick back, get an easy shift. So I think for them, that the way I see it is like, I don't think, maybe some of them go in with the idea, right, as you see, the bread and water theory, I'm going to go in, I'm going to rehabilitate people, but then you go in like, wait a minute, this is a turning cog. Aye. I'm just a, a cog in a very big wheel. So do I it's just... It's a warehouse, isn't it? It's like, a, it's like you're, you're maintaining um, society's most vulnerable and most traumatised people. Um, and I've, spoken, I've said it before, like Berlin is the biggest distributor of methadone in Europe, which is a fact that a lot of people don't really know, but that, that's pretty... 
mad to think about. And that methadone was only like five o'clock in Berlin, you know yourself, the, the queues nah, are the like, queue, like aye. That's what gets in me like, like, like unit, it's like a it's like a pharmacy. Because yeah. they all get done, because I think because when I've been in like a Pullman and that before they would just like do the meds in the hall, but see they've got the like the med- in this place I think it's only done for methadone. I've I've only been there once because I was I worked in the library and the screw picked us up. The, the boys that worked in the library and one of them had to aye. get his meth in the way down, so we went in. It's like an actual pharmacy in between B Hall and A Hall. Aye, they've got aye. to set up. It's this wee fucking unit, man. And it and is it's all day. Aye. It's all day, just like constant all day, like turning it. And obviously, um, so I'll kind of take us on to the next theme, right? Like I might talk about how um, why addiction's so prevalent in prison and why drugs are probably like uh, an escape for a lot of people. So. I don't know how how much you were in the drug scene in prison or whatever, but where do you th- where do you, where would you say that addiction comes from? Where because a lot of guys that I know go in that don't have addictions mm. and they come up with addiction <clears throat> problems. And develop them in there. You find a lot of people that for a lot of people for what I notice, most people start off with the cocos, cocodamol. That was a thing you find people taking because you can get them prescribed and it's like it's no subby, it's no Aye. something what he'd class as quote-unquote the junkie Aye. stuff, but start off in the coding and it's like, I remember a guy, a guy, I think it was Nitz Hill or something, and he was saying, he got dubbed up with a guy and I think this guy was dubbed up with his own subby, the cunt was on everything, and he started taking cocos, then eventually he started to get a bit Aye. of a habit and he says he remembers his co-pilot laughing, going, ah, I've, got, I've got you a pure habit, <laughs> no, and I'm just like, it's like, Laughing at that, I, but, mm. I, but that is the the reality. Or uh, it's sad, isn't it? But it's almost it as if you've dragged somebody down with you. It's like as if you get somebody on it. Ha, I can't believe you were laughing. Uh, I just got you. It. Uh, you've got somebody. As who's if you're proud of it. Cle- aye, definitely. And there's a, definitely a massive element of. I mean, you see quite a lot with guys who get have got maybe whatever drugs and stuff, and they they leave guys hanging for hours and hours just because they can. You aye. know what I mean? And mm. they, it's. It's a shame. But would you, what was your kind of take on it, Adam? What did you? Well, I, was, I was going to say, like, why do we take drugs in the first place? It's like, and everything's heightened in prison, isn't it? So you're bored, you're feeling vulnerable, you're feeling shite, you're feeling depressed, you want to feel better. Um, and it was funny, actually, because in, in Pullman, you didn't get as much. It was harder to get, but Subby was actually going about. I remember mm. that going about a wee bit. Um, and it was like puff, and people were sneaking it in their trainers. But it was, I got like a fright when I went for Pullman to. Glen Oakle, and it was just to- totally different. It's like echoing what you said, mate. It was like Aye. going from what I expected prison to be to going to an asylum. It was just, it was, it was very different. Your cells are open, but it was spicy air when you were there. I don't think so, mate. Nah, no. nah. But it was like pen caps of heroin. Aye, they were taking, and it was just an open. But the majority of the people in Glen Oakle, they were already. Addicts. Aye. But you see a pen cap? Aye. Was a pen cap. And that was a 50. Like a wee cap. Aye, that's what I was like, It was only a certain pen, I know. It was like a pen. It was like, had a certain wee tap. Uh, uh, and that was, was it the pens that you could take the tap off at? No, it was like a set. It was it was like the screw ones. So the right. ones that screwed off at the tap. Aye. And then they would just scoop, scoop it. Right. And then just hanging out was a 50. Oh, was it? Aye. Aye. That was how you done, that's the measurement. Oh, right. You know, I didn't know that. Because I've been to Berlin, man, obviously, there wasn't really any established kind. It was more just the subway and that, then Mm. later on it was the spice and that, but no. But Pullman, I just, it was recreational, man. And then I just remember, I actually remember this wee guy and he's like, he hadn't touched anything. Um, And his missus had broke up with him and he was trying to get a hold of subway because he just wanted to feel better in there. And like, 
see when you're in the duction wing as well, is what you're at yourself one hour every two days mm-hmm. or something, and you just want to feel good. Um, and that is when I remembered the subway actually coming in. So what was that? It's like a simulated heroin. So this is what I try and explain to people. It's, it's like when you're in prison, but you're in pain, right? Yeah, like you're in emotional pain. You're in whatever kind of pain you're in. Um, any kind of opiate or opioid is is a painkiller. It's an emotional painkiller mm. as well. So subutex sub, suboxone is called buprenorphine. It's like a synthetic opiate, um, but it acts the same way. So mm. I've a lot of people I've tried to explain. So see if you know see the word endorphin, right? Endorphin means indigenous morphine, right? So it's like obviously if I did that, you're looking great, big man, fucking brilliant in the gym, man. I've, I've seen your time on the, the thing, best hang up, not that like you're doing brilliant. <laughs> Makes you feel good. That's endorphins, right? right? Or you go to the gym, you do a workout, you feel good after it. That's endorphins, cold water therapy, endorphins, right? Morphine and all that is just basically a synthetic endorphin so it makes you feel good and it takes away obviously kills a lot of the pain so you as i said i think we spoke about it on your the podcast we've done on your 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 podcast channel jordan when we were talking about you don't see a lot of people taking coke ekkies things like that because you don't want to enhance the experience of prison you want to decrease it Mm. so the drugs that you tend to see floating about the halls are like Valium, that's uh, all the downers, all the I, I, I took coke one time in Bowman, man. It was fucking horrible. I never know, <laughs> because I was into the gym and all that, man. But it was like I worked in the gym, so it was like some people, blah, I want to pass this on to so and so. So you take a bit for yourself, but I never <laughs> took it, but I'm like, I'm not doing it for fuck all. So <laughs> you take a wee bit of hash off and just get to some cunt or sell it for a fucking <laughs> cut of bags of biscuits <laughs> or something. Remember, I got a bit of gear one night, and uh, I never really took gear outside, I think I took it like twice in my life. And I was like, oh, it was a Saturday night, like, fuck it, I'll take a bit of gear listening to GBX. And I remember taking like a line of it, and I had GBX on, and I was reading the paper, and I was just pure chinging out my nut. And then I was like, what was the point in this? I was like, the next day I felt a bit like shit, and I was like, fuck doing that ever again. So I, and it's like, no, like you've got the super strength gear. I couldn't imagine anything worse than being locked in a cell. It'd just be pure anxiety, be cut material. But you yeah. find people if they day take coke, they've got Valium and all. Aye. So they've got that fucking kind of, but I fuck that, man. But there is a presence of, uh, especially new street value. When I mean, we talk about subway and mm. stuff like that, and that's obviously prescription medications a big thing in prison and all. Um, but it does tend to be drugs that decrease the your experience, mm. it, which to me speaks volumes about how everybody's feeling in there, um, and everybody's all. I, 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 I've, I think fears are, and I mean, I think fear is the biggest driver of crime. Uh, violence, like all that, kind of, all that kind of behavior, I think is driven by fear. Even if you're no, I know boys who are only scared to fight with them. I know boys who are only scared to like. That wouldn't be scared if somebody pulled a gun at them. I know boys that are like that, but it's fear that's made them like that. No, it's fear that's So it's like a, it's a paradox. Dude. It's like it's actually fear. So. I mean, us three can be quite vulnerable. We can get vulnerable, talk about stuff. A lot of guys can, right? So, how how scary was prison like to you? Like, I know, I know, you become you they become desensitized and you become conditioned. But how putting that in kind of layman's terms for somebody that's never in prison? How 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 scary was it? Like, how fear? How how would you say fear drove you, Jordan? 
in prison, Aye. but like for the first time and the first just all all over, like even in that heightened heightened. I know it's a kind of hard question, but it's just looking at your whole experience of prison and trying to see how fear was maybe behind a lot of the stuff you'd done. I suppose, see, we, when I first went in, I, there was an element of fear because you're venturing into the unknown. Then, as you settle in, like, when I look at my long-term sentence, see, after a while, you probably feel to yourself, it feels like home. I do when you go to a visit, you're, you go to see people when you go to a visit at the start, you're kind of like, ah, well, I can't believe this, man, I'm in the jail. After about maybe a year or something, you're like, ah, see you later, I'm going back to my house. Aye. That's how it feels. You're going back to the hall, the hall, that's your world, you're just getting um, a visit. I used to hate when I used to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to go up the road there, like, like see, I visit or something, I'm going to leave five minutes and I'm going up the road. She used to go, you're, you're not going up the road, you're going back to your jail cells. She hated it. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, I is totally right what you're saying. It's like, you, you become desensitised, but I, 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 I suppose I'm trying to get to, when, when is that point that you've got why why I'm, it's like a hard question i know it's a really hard question but why do we become desensitized do, do you think you need to lose parts of yourself to become that desensitized version see, see what i said obviously with, with hindsight but i always said the scariest thing in hindsight was how quickly i did become accustomed to it Cause like i said day one i was terrified but week two you're there you're normal you're functioning thriving Aye. maybe and it's weird but I I think it is self-preservation basically if you're not if you're not the aggressor in situations or you're not the tough guy you're vulnerable you're the victim so it's like do the opposite of that same Aye. as you would in the street but for me but changed it up and made it scary because I very quickly get comfortable in Pullman but then I went to Glen Oakle and that was a totally different experience like Aye. it was like going in an asylum and I think the what made the violence scary there is in Pullman, it's all bravado, it's all teenagers, mm. young teens causing a scene, right. throwing pool balls, getting caught doing it. But in Glen Oco, it was all behind closed doors, they were hurting you to hurt you. It wasn't right. to, to make mm. a name for herself, it wasn't to show off. And I think week two, I was doing, I was in the gym, doing a set, sat up, a guy's just throat's been cut, blood everywhere. And that's going back to you asking about desensitization. I just sat back down, did my next set, didn't look, waited for mm. the screws to deal with. And I think that, that's... I think, think there's a theory you look like, because I remember, I know I've been in situations like that where you see things and you you, you don't want to be the person that gives it away. Uh, well, the the fear really seem to be affected because if you go, ah, fuck, did you see that? Did you see it, that? As you, you see, it makes you stand out so you're kind of like, no, just Aye. acting normal. And it's a horrible thing, but out here it's a horrible thing, but like grassing in there or saying you saw that and go that's gonna be way worse Definitely. in there that like you're doing what what is the right thing to do in there it's a different set of rules mm. aye and i think it's trying to that see it's prison politics i don't i think that the the media miss a lot the media miss the they look you could put i say this a lot you could put us in the hilton you could put everybody in the hilton but it's that in prison environment it's what you're saying it's like what's actually going on that as soon as you walk out, you need to put a different mask on for different people. And I think that's where drugs play a part, I think, because drugs easy and they're doing that. So see you take a wee line of subby, you might get a wee bit of bravado about you, you might get a because you're, you're in less pain, nah, so you're, in, you're able see, to... I would see people like that, like addicts and that, you could tell, see before like, and they walk, walked into the rec call, someone like, just took a line of subby and that, and they're just pure heavy, they're like, <laughs> I get about yeah. know everybody's business and see what's happening that. But plus as well, See what I know, used to notice, I never really took drugs in jail. Smoked hash twice, I think, in Pullman, early on. 
never really done it. Obviously, apart from that time I took the gear and pull and bullying and that, never really done it. But you would notice you'd be kicking about exercise and you'd be, you would see all the people on the chase. You'd be like, ah, right, out to exercise, see who's got wit, and you'd see them all right. talking to each other and parties, kind of like, ah, right, I don't take nothing, so I'm not really, I can't add into that conversation, right. but you could see that like, sometimes you're like, ah, see if you're kicking about yourself exercise and they're all trying to go on in the chase right. and running about, you're kind of like, ah, fuck. You can understand how it'd be easier to fit in if you were just to take right. drugs to hang about with these people. And I think, I don't know if any of you were ever in the hallway and like, I, a large amount of like volume come into the hole, but that used to change. Aye, I remember it uh, once. It was I may have played a bit of a part, and uh, it happened before, <laughs> and it was like uh, the hole just fucking flipped, man. People were arguing with screws, cunts were fighting and all that, man. It was just chaos. Aye, it was carnage, and it was like because people don't care. They've not got that worry about the screws. It's like people are full of blues out here. They go in and they just put stuff down their trousers and up their jukes in the shops and steal shit and get caught. It's like... I think they're invisible, don't you? Ah, that's like, exactly. It takes away your awareness. Aye. Or if it doesn't take away your awareness, it takes away, away your ability to care. Aye. You don't care. You're in the jail, gives a fuck. And then that, half of these people are in the jail because they were full of alarm. Aye. Or not true. And it's because most, most of the crimes are committed under the, under the influence of drink or drugs. Do you know what I mean? So it's mm. like... Um, so I'm going to just ask you, like, what, if just to show how desensitised it is. I mean, obviously you've just mentioned a really horrific uh, event there, but what was like some of the worst things that you've experienced in prison? Like, just because I, 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 what I'm looking today, I, I'm really wanting to take away that. Oh, what people think that it's a holiday camp. So what was like the worst? So, like uh, something that you would you wouldn't see at fucking Craig Tara. What was a couple nah, of the worst seen? thing that happened? I was about two years into my sentence. I was next door to this uh, this wee guy, and he was doing five years. I think for like a serious assault or something. And the wee guy was young. He was maybe about nineteen, twenty, if that. And you could see him. It was there was a few of them. I think it was like three of them. His co-accused dad, his co-accused had been in and out. But this wee guy it was his first time. He was doing a five stood out like a sore thumb and I remember I think I heard that his, his missus split up with him or something like that and he was just starting his five then one day he's one of his co-accused it ended up in a fight with a guy and he's kind of got up it was at the diner and he's went up and tried to kind of split them up and everybody's just started laughing at him as if what are you doing as if like, you should be jumping up and backing up your pal he's kind of trying to split right. it up and uh, the next morning I remember the screws just flying in the room, see like looking at me, and I'm just kind of like, what's going on here? And they shut the door. And uh, it turns out he hung his cell during the night. And this wee guy, man, and uh, I was through the wall for him. So in Pullman, I don't know, I think probably most jails are like that. So you have like two cells next to each other. So you have the bed, wall, aye, bed. Aye. So I was like bed, wall, and bed. So I was just kind of like that. It was a bit freaky. The fact aye, he was just through the wall for me. Feet away. Aye, and uh, he came they came they came up and they put like this lock thing in the door so it was like so they put something in the lock so I know if I a screw's like I... basically working and they don't know mm. and they open his cell because they, they took him they cut him down and put him in his bed and uh, I remember the police came up asked for a statement right. and that and I remember going out to the, the brunch I think it was either brunch or lunch or something and a few of the past men like that fucking hell a few of the boys but there was guys on the other side going like, does that mean there's an extra lunch sitting here? Aye. Just didn't give a fuck. Aye, and it was like, crazy. No. And I just think of that, because for me, I was personally like, wow, because it happened at Christmas as well. I got a guy doing the hung his cell, Christmas Day, my first Christmas in. But it was that way. You heard about it, but it was kind of right. It was doing an Iona 1, I was Iona 3. I didn't know him, Aye. nothing like that. But this guy I'd, I'd seen the night before, 
and then people were saying apparently he was asking people how to do it see that way in convert like, if you want right. to do it how would you do it and people told him no thinking no, no right. talking it's just, just talking about right. it and then yeah it was just i still think about that man because there's like, so many I, poor families out there that that are doing the settings way people as well right and people don't realize that that the, the, the families right and obviously poor boys that hang themselves and stuff like that families probably never get answers for that and i'm not saying listen i'm not trying to take away because there's victims involved and I'm not, i know that i understand that they they've 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 got the right to, to to say what they want and the right to believe that whatever they believe in but i'm just meaning that there is poor families out there that are victims as well with things like this that happen, do you know what I mean? And mm. this is the sort of things that's going on in prison now. Um, so sorry for just button in. No, just no, that's fine. That's, like, and that's the thing I used to think about as well. I think if I look at my family, it's hard enough, you lie, you're not going to see somebody for X amount of years, but then to find out you're never going to see them again. So I remember the chaplain coming up and they went, to the, they obviously moved the body at this point and uh, he went into the set, they opened up the cell for him, he went in and I think he'd like, I don't know if he'd reposted it. He was literally fresh into the sentence, so his cell's quite bare, right. but I think he was going and getting his items and that and compiling it, obviously, to give to the family. And I was like, ah, fucking hell, imagine that. It's just like your boy or something or your bra or whatever, man, they go into the jail. Man. It's like, and you're getting haunted this wee stack of items they'd collected. Shot. And that's what I think about. It's like, if you just get over that, it's like, no matter how long you get, depending on if you get like a, a full life sentence or whatever, if you get a five year, you've got a lib date. But people, some people just kind of see to that. And as you say, that thing, I was lucky. I was, wasn't really in a serious relationship that I had to come out of in jail. It's like, I think I like splitting up your bird or arguing your bird. He does overtime. Aye. So doing that, when you're already in an intense, high-pressure environment. See what you're saying? Because there was a guy very similar came in all the place. Um, he was actually wanting about with a suit on. He, he wouldn't take his suit off, right? It was, it was weird. weird. Con? Aye, it was weird. It was as if, when he came in, we thought he was a manager, like, it, like, it, like some, and it, obviously he was, he was stood all that sore thumb. There was people kind of giving him a wee bit of hard time and all that. And uh, it, 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 it was, he broke up his bird, his bird had finished with him when he got the settings, like on that day. He turned out, he killed himself as well. Like he killed himself like, maybe two days later or something mm. right and it was i i sat and i spoke to him and it was like one of the ones where i i used to this is how sad it is it's like i was actually speaking to the guy right and i was talking to him about uh, my case and stuff like that and um a couple of the boys were going like that ah, he killed yourself because you were bored him about you bored him about oh you're you're nah, a, being like a joke at it. and i'm like fucking it's no funny you know what i mean but like that, that this is where people are trying to make because it's such horrifying events that you've People are trying to make a joke out of people, and it's 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 so hard to it just ex and I know obviously about this podcast, but it's just exploring the adversity that you experienced. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Whilst in prison, and how people actually just try their hardest to adapt and do anything to kind of get by, and and it sometimes it's just watching i mean that me personally i just watched bits of me getting stole here getting stole there i had a long time obviously but i just i could see it happening and i just kept that wee light inside me that was like i'm never because i've seen guys that done 30 years and were never getting out i knew I could, you could see them a mile away like the guys that done the the big sentences and were never ever going anywhere and i was like i'm no getting i'm not letting myself get there ever but i could always feel i remember like people passing away and just not having the same feelings that i had 
that I should have had. That people in jail or people outside? No, my people, like some, like, so, like, like my granny and stuff like that. And I'm uh, going, I should, I should feel worse than this. I, like, I felt mm. the same. My granny died when I was like two months into my sentence. And as I say, I was really close with her, but it's like, she didn't know I was in the jail. I actually found that out quite recently. And they'd tell her, then uh, she died. And it was that kind of way I, the, I've, I've always struggled to kind of cry in that kind of thing. Aye. And that way, that night I was in the single cell and that, and then I got taken out to the funeral. But it was that way, I, I felt as if it was already that I had to just focus on where I was at. It was it was a tragedy and that. And then Aye. I went out to the funeral, but everybody was greeting and that. Then I went back to the jail and I was like, "That's me back here." It was just like, "That's me back into the jungle." As such, I just I kind of need to focus on where I'm at the now. And that, but if it was outside, it'd probably been massively different. So do you think that's like obviously the the walls that you build up to protect yourself just in that environment? Like, do you think that's where where that comes from? I think probably, mate, because that was the same thing, different, but I remember coming out of that numbness, because I was the same, I, mate, I never cried, see, now I cry all the time, but see then, and it took a long, I remember the first time I cried, it probably wasn't just prison, it was that lifestyle Aye. in general, but even things, pets dying, family dying, numb about it, and I feel horrible when I think about that mm. now, but you were just so desensitised to it, mate, because yeah, you don't want to be vulnerable, at least I didn't want to be vulnerable, and for me it was always burying vulnerability, Aye. it's like, oh I'm shite myself, act hard, or, like, you don't want to fight, hit fast, mm. mask but I think it. that's where I see, see the mirror you bury, you're just, you're traumatising yourself, ah, no, 100%, and I, it's going to years later it comes out, and plus as well I think is, I think if, let's say, your granny dies and you're out, you're in contact, you go and see your ma, you go and see so-and-so, the, the house, everybody's in the house and that, or you go up to the hospital, you're, you're in amongst everybody. When you're in the jail, you're separated. You could be on a fucking mystery island in the middle of the Pacific, because that, that's what it is. You're disconnected, so you're taken away from that. You've got no, you can phone people and that kind of thing, man, but end of the day, you're back. There's nobody there to comfort you. You need to kind of comfort yourself. So it's almost probably a kind of survival thing as well. You just kind of need to go, ah, listen, I need to kind of fend for myself here. Nobody can come and comfort me. I can phone people, but... And even at a visit, you can't sit and comfort somebody physically at a visit because you'll get grabbed in for a strip search. So you're separated through that as well. You're kind of almost unable to grieve. I know. Because I remember when I, my granny died, when my granny died, I remember on the phone and everybody was on the hall, just normal, like, all on about, and I remember just tears coming. And I actually, my pal's Peter, that, and I just kind of went in, and my pal's a kind of, he's a, he's a, a wee hard guy for Pollock that's well known in the prison and stuff, do you know what I mean? But I opened the door and I just burst out greeting, and he gave us a cuddle, he was like, it's all right, and that, but I think that's when you go into the kind of, that's where I was going to go next. I'll, 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 get, I'll let you speak about your worst experiences first, Adam, but next but we'll, we'll maybe touch on like this, some of the stuff you've seen in prison with the support and maybe the resilience that you've seen boys offering that support. But what, just before we go to that, what was the, some of the, the, the worst you've seen, Adam? What was like some of the stuff, just to let people know how, like what this, the type of stuff we're experiencing in there? Aye, I mean, in terms of violence, that guy in the gym Aye. is probably the most extreme. Um, but it's, aye, there was other stuff, mate. It was like some of the stuff you don't see and the things you hear. Obviously, in, in Pullman, it was the sugar in the kettle. Aye. I mean, heard the guy screaming, a couple of cells down, molten sugar over him. But do you know what? In terms of like things I look back on as well, see, going to the visit, um, like my wee nephew, he was growing up, same scheme as me, living with my mum, living in my bedroom, didn't have a dad. Um, and see, going to the visit hall. And I mean, you see it with everybody, like the, those visit halls are only fun, do you know what I mean? People's wains, grands, mums, partners are all visiting them. Nobody's really happy in that place. But my wee nephew, 
six or something, maybe younger, thinking he's visiting me and work. Mm. And see, so just seen that man, and that was probably the catalyst that I was like, I can't, like, I'm meant to be this boy's role model, his dad's not there, and he's visiting me in prison. Like, that is a horrible right. experience. I don't want if you look at again mm -hmm. in life. And I remember sitting there, just him looking at me, he's playing with toys in there, man, and that is probably one of the things that hit, hit hard. Um, Which is different, it's different because obviously you, you think, oh, the worst thing I've seen is all this violence and all this, like, we're, we're talking about drug addiction, desensitised this, but. You can Some get numb to that though, but I don't think you can be numb to like, when it's your family. It's different, like you go out like a hard man and your nephew, like, it's, do you know what I mean? No. There's only, it gets you. And, and you, that's the thing that breaks down hardest guys. Like I saw the hardest guys crying over that Definitely. kind of thing. There was a guy, actually one of the scariest things I saw was this guy, mate, it was terrifying, tank, clearly on roids, mate. Um, and he got a hod, his mum had passed away and I, I can't remember what happened, but they wouldn't let him out to the funeral. So he got his hands on Subutech and he went from being like aggro about it to just bawling his eyes out. And this guy was a guy that everybody was scared of. Right. And he was that vulnerable. And that stuff, mate, that, that lives you because it'll break the hardest guys down and the hardest guys are crying under their pillow. Do you know what I mean? I agree with you. I mean, obviously, I think some guys, um, certainly some of the more established guys, that you would probably, people's like household names or whatever you want to call them, do you know what I mean? Like some of the guys that we know, um, probably uh, get desensitised a long time ago mm -hmm. in homes and stuff like that. Uh, things that we probably don't know about, things that go on in there, like abuse and all that, if it was such a young age, I think that probably defines you to go into... Um, I was lucky enough never be, to be in like homes and stuff like that, but I know that some of the horrible stuff it does go on, and I think when you start desensitising nine-year-olds and stuff and eight-year-olds, then that's going to be the way they are. Do you know yeah, they probably like, already um, desensitised before they step foot in a jail. Oh, they've probably yeah. all seen it before the violence yeah. and that. Obviously, the jail's just a, a mere larger scale, but it's probably something, as you say, if they end up in a home, for the most part, it's because probably abusive parents are parents know there and that kind of thing. So you're, you're already exposed to it for a young age and that becomes your reality. That's your, your normal. Definitely. So you're going into the jail. That's how you find a lot of people just they settle in, they thrive in these environments because they're used to it. Aye. They're probably more comfortable in a chaotic environment than they are in a relaxed one. I've tried to explain that to people before and people don't get it. it was, and it's like, even Fiona will say to me, my missus is really good at breaking stuff down like, like that. And um, like she, I'll say, how, what, I just, wait, why it was wrong with him? How can I not get through to him? And she'll say, Sean, he's so comfortable in that chaos. He's like, if you bring him out of that, he's no comfortable. How can you not get that? And I'm like, I don't, like, mm. because it's, and she's like, it's just because you're not like you, but he thrives in that. That's his world. That's where he, you take him out of that and it's alien to him. Like, you, you, do you know what I mean? So I, I do get it, do you know what I mean? There is a, a level that you do get it. You, you just don't want to believe that that's where somebody's comfortable. I mean, mm. it's so sad that people are actually comfortable in that crazy, violent, aggressive world. Do you know what mm. I mean? That, that can be your comfort zone. But so just kind of moving on to like the kind of next section that I was wanting to just kind of touch on was just some of, some of the better stories that you may be seeing in prison, some of the stuff that you may be seeing guys doing, going out their way to help people and that camaraderie that you did get. Like, I mean, obviously I've got some really good pals in for prison. Some of the best boys I'll ever met, do you know what I mean, are in prison. Um, some guys are really well-known criminals, do you know what I mean? But they're, the stuff that they've done for me, I'll never forget, do you know what I mean? Like, um, just even just being there for you, just to to show you the ropes and and, and, and stuff like that. You just don't forget that kind of stuff. It's stuff mm. that's priceless. So 
some of the stuff I seen was like um, when maybe guys, and I know this is like no, like a, a great thing, but and it's no, I'm not, I'm not trying to promote it, but you would see guys maybe when their mum did die, or their gra- like if you'd see guys rallying about to maybe try and mm, get them yeah, Valium right. and Subby and mm-hmm. stuff, which would kind of uh, like as a commodity in prison, it's quite worth quite a lot of money. But you see guys rallying around to maybe get them stuff so it feels better do you know what I mean like you would see that quite a lot and you would see so there is that sense of there is still that compassion and empathy in the prisons do you know what I mean it's just no seen a lot do you know what I mean but there is that um, so I don't know about you guys but did you see kind of like you stick to it like I on you go mate I know so I was kind of saying when you seen somebody like their dad died a close relation in that you'd find people but I remember a guy I was probably in there at uh, his granddad died, and I think it was quite close to his granddad, and you could see him, I remember, I had a PlayStation, it was in Poland, they were quite scarce, some of them, and you could see him, his eyes were all red, that way, you could tell right. he'd been greeting, but that way, when he was out in the hall, he was kind of, and he was like, ah, mate, a chance I can get a shot of your computer after, I was like, no bother, mate, go and take it, and uh, I says to the screws, and that, to try and pass it in, but the screws were just like, ah. I don't know if they didn't know kind of thing, like, ah, nah, I'm no fucking passing PlayStations, right. and know that shit, but... He's like, ah, mate, can you get us a paper? Like, I'll get you a paper because I could slide the paper right. under the door. But you found that as well. That if a close family member or somebody died, as you say, people would rally around. Because I think as well, it's your worst nightmare. For, it was my, my worst nightmare. Anytime you'd get a phone call or you need to phone home or no. you'd pick up the phone or you'd, if somebody didn't turn up to a visit, you're like, ah, because for me, it'd be the worst possible outcome because... When you're in that environment... Catastrophised, didn't you? Aye, because you're in there, you're like, "Ah, right, I'm in here. It's like you've got no control. And as you say, life's going on without you. So that's the thing when you say like somebody, like somebody's dad died or something like that, I think it reminded everybody either of that feeling because they'd experienced it before or that fear of, fuck, that could be me. So you would see people rallying around and I remember like a guy, I knew in Poland, his brother killed himself outside in a... It was the guy, he was one of the boys, he was quite respected, and uh, the screws respected him too, so Aye. they would do things, they'd try and get like a, I don't know if they call it a compassion visit, like it's like basically, they would give you a visit and the agents visits, so Aye. it was kind of more relaxed and that kind of thing, and uh, I, everybody kind of rallied in that sense, and you could see, because it's like people, I assume criminals, nay empathy, nay this, it's like people have got empathy, like for, I'm not saying all of them do, no, but you find a lot of them do, it's like, just because you're in the jail, you're just in the jail because you get caught, and for the most part, a lot of the crimes, it's like, you look at, it could have happened to anybody. Aye. The wrong place, the wrong time, the wrong action. But you find that in a lot of people, there's a lot of humanity you find in jails. And as you say, people just need to adapt. Aye. And so they're adapting to an environment, there's still that human in them. There's still Definitely. that thing, it's like... Go back to the tribalism, isn't it, really? Ah, like, you're, no, you're no so much... You can become desensitised to violence, but how do you become desensitised to like grieving? Mm-hmm. You would need to suffer a lot of grieving. So, but do you become decent? Some people become desensitized, or some people become more empathetic because mm-hmm. they know it's like, and that's that thing. The only people could become desensitized to that is people that have had the family stripped away from them at a young age. Because if their mom's died, dad's died, probably been addicts, so or they've just been ripped out the family home, putting it, putting the care. That's right. the people you find that are probably in the smaller percentage of people that are desensitised to, like, deaths and family, like, the kind of thing that we all go through, but it's your worst nightmare, especially in the jail. Aye. Oh, definitely. What about you, Adam? Would you, could you think of anything that was... Aye, I was obviously in there a lot shorter than usual, but I always think it's just wee things, do you know what I mean? The wee things mean a lot. And there, I mean, I see my first co-pilot. I don't know if he could just tell I was uneasy, and it's that wee cell and you feel like, oh, I remember him just coming in, I was like, oh, God, I think he was at... Uh, 
like one of the classes and I'm sitting on his bed, don't know if it's his bed, should I be on the bunk bed or it? And he comes in, the first thing he says, he's like, ah, do you want a wamba? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I ain't ready to wamba, is it? And just wee <laughs> things like that, but, um, and like just guys like looking out for one another. Um, guy in the past jogging you a couple extra chips or whatever. But like, tobacco, that boy's no got it and he's come in, they'll give them something. Um, but I remember when I went to uh, Glen Oakle and it was weird, mate, like, like you were saying, you can see the guys that have been there for like lifelong and you know what it's like, they just don't have the social skills, there's right. a weirdness there, especially when you're quite fresh and like I'm, I'm, I'm like 19 or something in that wing and they're all coming in the cell chat with me and one of the... It was a guy that was serving a long sentence as well, but he was younger, hadn't been in there as long, and he kind of came in, cleared them out. He's like, right, stay away from him, 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 and him. Aye. He's like, what are you doing tomorrow? You come to the gym? I was like, aye, so he's like, right, come to the gym tomorrow. And just that way of looking out for you, because they've got that, like you said, that humanity, and they're still looking out for you in that space, and they can sense, you know what I mean? You're a young boy. Aye. Like, mate, I don't think I would... I felt like a child until I was like 25, if I'm honest, you know what I mean? It was actually funny. See, when I went to the gym, that next day I went into the gym with him. This guy was a tank. He's been in there for a few years and he's like, we're doing deadlifts. So I'm just like, ah, he doing deadlifts. He'd only been lifting a week and he's got, I don't know what he had on the barbell. But he's like, is that enough? Or you want me to take some off? I was like, no, nah, I'll do it, mate. <laughs> did a set, mate. Nearly shat myself. <laughs> and then see, I mean, like, did manage to do a couple reps, man. I was like, where's the toilet, big man? Like, I went fucking spewed everything. <laughs> <laughs> Vomiting my guts back in with a swagger there. Take my next set tomorrow. <laughs> but I just things like that, mate. Because you do, it's like, for all the negative things going around, there is still that humanity. There's still people still looking out for each other. That guy was in there, I think he was in for robbery, like armed robbery. There's still humanity in that guy, still looking out for a younger boy that's in there. So I think just things like that stand out, to be honest. I think me and Jordan got to experience it in, um, like, Nat Natalie Logan's uh, recovery cafe in Berlin. It's probably the best thing I've ever seen for... Um, boys being able to get vulnerable and compassion and stuff like that and, and empathy and and breaking down that macho kind of jail mentality within a prison mm. and um i just think when you were in there you were able to kind of bounce off and, and and boys were coming in and telling you stuff some boys were coming out and telling you they'd been abused and like stuff there's stuff that they never told anybody do you know what i mean they, like and, and it was stuff that they were greeting they were breaking down and Everybody was kind of rallying around, and I don't know if that the cafe was like that when you were there, but it was certainly that when I was there. It was dead, dead. Um, it, there was a, there was there was a kind of just an, a, a kind of a, 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 a safety kind of thing. It was like a safety net that was, mm. was within it. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. It was just a great atmosphere that's Natalie's created, but um, there was certainly a lot of uh, compassion, empathy going around about there. And then you've got some staff members who are great with empathy and compassion it will come and do I mean when my granny died um the boy, two boys were gonna have shift you know what I mean and one of the boys that took me out I would never have expected them to take me out because he, he was a bit kind of like a dog in a hole and um he was like no no and I don't I, I don't know if they get paid I don't think they get paid for it but they would took me right out like because obviously I get told she'd only had a couple of days to live and they took me out for a compassionate mm. visit leave and um I don't forget that. Do you know what I mean? I never forgot that. So see when guys used to go like that, fucking dog, that cunt, that. I used to say, no, mate, he, mate, he took me out, man, when my granny was dying. And, and uh, 
Do you know what I mean? Like uh, he's no like he's you he might he's just doing his job. Do you know what I mean? And as but as do you know what I mean? I know he can be a bit of a prick, but nah, it's just, so, sometimes uh, that would happen as well. See with the screws, it's like I talk about that screw when he gives let's give the PS two in to that boy. It was like I big fucking dog. He was an alcoholic. He couldn't come in fucking mad with that man. No. But sometimes you would get a human side to him mm. where he would say something, he'd get a laugh. I suppose it's kind of like. They're it, so conditioned and all, but uh, I, 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 I see that. Because apparently the guy was the life and soul at parties, not. Aye. So I think it's because I could imagine. See me working in a gym. The way I look at it, right? See when I go into work, I work in a student accommodation. See when I go in, and it's people coming down. They're right on you for the minute. Go in looking for the mail and all that kind of stuff. That's what people come down because there's a post room, and you're just like, ah, these two minutes, and you're just after. Like, some days you go in and you're like, ah, Fendi starts their shit in here, they're getting fucking knocked <laughs> out. So imagine you're going into like. I'd work in a jail. You didn't get a good night's sleep. You're feeling run down fucking. You were late. You're just, everything's going against you. Aye, hopefully I get in here and it's an easy shift. Then boom, two minutes into it, there's a fight at the breakfast and you need to go split up cunts are cracking you in the back of the nut. I think it'd be quite easy just to get to a point like that. Ah, fuck these cunts, I'm going to be a prick. Because or if you go at somebody ask you for a favour, right, I'll go and date, then they fucking... They're, they're up to no good and you're like ah, fucking was doing that prick a favour then it's oh fuck you're a fucking dog are you know letting us out all that shit and it's just like you can see how people become like that just that kind of way that straight down the line that dog mentality as such I go into quite a lot of detail about it in my book see that my book Authenticity and Chaos that is all about how you can be authentic in this environment I think we're kind of it's like this podcast is kind of proving that in the way that you've got three people who of coming out and are trying to portray a positive message, but all can realise that you weren't authentic when you were in there. And I'll ask you a question just I kind of do, do you think you could have ever been the way you are the new in prison? Can you help this moustache? That's what's wrong. Get Ben, Ben the digger. Um, I, I don't know what I said. It's not seen the past, it's probably the past five years where I've actually felt like I'm being myself, and I think Aye. that's just moving on and putting the past behind you. I don't know. Probably, nah, I don't, I don't think I could have been myself, and I think that's why I wasn't, and that's why I was a person. I mean, I, see don't, I, ch I would challenge anybody. To see, I would challenge anybody that thinks they can be themselves. Nah, I mean, I, I, don't like, I, I, I know you get people that go, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm myself, and they believe they're themselves, but. There'll be glimpses and see when you get comfortable, and that's the thing. You look like when you've been there six months, whatever, and you know people, you're comfortable, you'll let glimpses of it out, bits of the humour, but see when you're new to that experience, there's no chance. But aye, it's a facade. And um, just going back to that conversation earlier when we were talking about like putting the mask on and stuff, it was like I kept putting that mask on until that mask was me. Like you just kept taking it off, you just kept putting it on and tell that's how you behave, that's you now. And then it's like years pass and new experiences from that, you start to kind of find yourself. But no, nah, I wasn't I wasn't myself before prison because of the lifestyle right. I was living. And then that just reinforced that because everything's heightened. And then right. you come out and aye, so it's been it's a gra gradual process. Uh, and then you're not comfortable being yourself, uh, no. like No. And especially no, what about you, John, think you could have been yourself in there? Like the when I first went into Pullman, it's like at first, I try to just act that class clown way because that's who I was, just always doing dash shit and people looking like, what the fuck are you doing? Kind of thing, and I slowly but gradually kind of toned it down. But then, as I go to know people in the hall, I could act, not even a bit more myself, but that kind of way, you would act up, just be a bit daft, but at the same time as well, there was, you couldn't let it out. You could maybe be about, like about 50% out, okay. depending, but you always had to keep that front up. But then you'd go to a new hall and you'd kind of need to rein it back because nobody knows you because people Aye. are judging you. People have got their eyes on you to see how you behave. Aye. But right now, like when I went into Berlin, that last sentence, like I'd came, I think it's well, 
See, when I first went in, like, I was carrying knives. When I first went in, so there was an element of that. I was trying to be Aye. somebody I wasn't outside. So when I went inside, it wasn't too far away for the person I was already trying to be. But I wasn't being myself anyway. But when I went into Bellany the last time, it was that way I'd came so far away for that person I used to be. So I had to, when I went back in, it was almost as if there wasn't like, a thought process or like, a decision-making process in it. It's as, almost as if it just reverted back into type. I always make this analogy, like if you end up stranded in the jungle, right, and you kind of get out of the jungle, right, you need to learn to survive, you need to learn to hunt, you need to learn to sleep in trees and all right. that kind of thing. You adapt, but then if you get put back into civilization, you would adapt back to normality, Right. As you know it, but if you were to get thrust back into a jungle environment quickly, you would just adapt right in it. Right, this is what I did to survive. So I think for what if you've been there and if you spent a fair bit of time, not just like a couple of weeks, you've done like maybe a few months to Aye. earliest a year, you would go back in. And well, if, if I went back in right now, I'd be a shock, but I think that way I've conditioned myself, I could adapt, but I wouldn't be adapting it to me, I would be adapting it to what how persona. I, I a persona as such. So That'll take that'll kind of take us in. Obviously, the podcast kind of coming up kind of near the end, right? So, um, the last kind of bit I was about to touch on was just how, when you go that adapt, how that adapt, and how trying to adapt, and maybe even feeling that wee bit guilty about leaving some of your path. I certainly felt nah. I don't know if it's because I've done so long, but I certainly remember feeling a bit guilty when I go out, like leaving some of the boys behind mm -hmm, that you were mm -hmm. you were so close to. Um, then trying to like become who like the person you are, and it, it's just so weird. I remember like like moments when we, we, we were all just greeting, like me, my mom, my missus, and I, it was just like it was, and I think it was just all a process. Do you know what I mean? It still is. I mean, I've still got massive, massive uh, steps to go, and 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 I know that, but I'm definitely going through a process, and I, and I. I hate that life and it's always a positive message I'm trying to put out. So it's like, what was it like for you guys coming out and trying to um, trying to be an authentic self? How was that? How how did how did that come about? Was mm. it somebody or? It was, well, so see, when I done my four and a half year, I was kind of similar to you. I, start, I, f I was in the long-term hall, so you've got guys that are just starting like 19 years and big sentences and that. So I knew how it felt. So see, you'd always get these people jumping about like, yes, you get a week to go, I must just be me then. All these dicks that had done like two months and it was pure busting right. them. Nobody knew when I was getting out. They did know, but some people bought up when you again. I bought the morning, but really, you've no say anything about it. And I'm like, ah, because I know how annoying it is, especially right. in a long term haul. So there was that element of like, you're shaking everybody's horn, see you later. You did feel a bit guilty as if you're leaving people behind. But when you get out at first, I don't know, it's weird. See, when I got out for the four and a half year sentence, I felt as if I adjusted no too bad. Because that way you can gear yourself up for it, I think. That struggle to adjust. When I done that last sentence, see, every sentence before I've been like, ah, right, you've got six months, five months, four months, down to the weeks, got four weeks, three weeks, days. Aye. With that last one, I get told I was out in the tag and I was out a week later. I didn't have time to switch off that mentality. So when I got out, it was like, it was surreal. It was like, I was my pal picked us up and I remember being in his motor, driving in the motorway. And I was, I think I was going to buy like Springburn, that part. And I was just like, ah, man, this doesn't feel real. And that way. It's like a movie, isn't it? I, and, and I had my own house. So I had to get back. I'd let somebody stay in the house and they trashed the house and the place was a riot. And I was, my first day was spent stressed at my nut trying to clean this house, waiting for the tag woman coming. It was just, it was weird, man. And see, I just, I felt like I'm mad come down. 
see for the first week I was because I was I'd applied for a college course before I got this sentence so I'd been accepted but I had to like send like a, a letter for the jail they helped us like kind of get in touch with them so they kept the, the place open for me but I got out and they're like right, do you want to start back in this state I was like nah mate I need an extra week to try and adjust and it was only a short time but I think it was that way you became it's almost I'd compare it to being a method actor See when people like, train to become a method Aye. actor, they 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 become this person like the guy. I think it was uh, Daniel Day Lewis. I think does it. He because he, he, he when he done looking after Jojo, I think he was actually playing that I handicapped guy, that, and like people had to go about and carry him about as if it was it was that kind of disabled person. Do you know what ah, I mean? you know it's like I can't remember the film. It might have been what's that? Is it Schindler's List? I don't know if it was something like that. There was one of these actors, and he said they starved themselves because he was playing a Jew that'd been starved in a prison Aye. camp. And I remember when he got his like, award, he was crying and all that because he's like, ah, people don't know the desperation of being hungry. It's like, that thing, it's like, there was a kind of, a transitional period. It was kind of like, I'd kind of had to adopt this role, this mindset. And it's an internal mindset as well as an external one because you're obviously putting on this bravado, this kind of face, but internally you're like, ah, right, how do I navigate this? Because if you go back and, plus if you're dubbed up with somebody as well, you don't get time to kind of let things register. So you just kind of need to write, how do I roll with this? So when you're right back out there, like a week later, it's kind of, wow, it's like the bright lights Aye. are on you. Life, life is, ca you're catching up with life. Aye. Everybody's there just going about normality. So do you think it's dead, do you think it'd be dead, do you think it's dead easy, obviously, for like yourself? Do you think it would have been so easy for you to just to get drifted right back into the way you were, you were going? Well, I think the first day I went out, I went, ah, was that, I, I went to the pub. There was a pub across the road and I was like, I'm just going to jump in and get a pint. And I remember sitting having a pint and I was just like, ah, it was weird. I was just, I had to think I'd still had the jail bag with me, man. It was like, just people going about normality. And I was like, that weird. I just felt like I'd been plucked out of another universe and dropped into another one. And I ended up smoking weed that night, so that probably didn't help, man. But that was just another one. It was just, it was bizarre. But it was Aye. my shortest sentence. But I think it was that way I had, I wasn't able to fully prepare Aye. that way. And it was just, it was like just been plucked out of one wild situation and flung into another one. I totally different. What about you, Adam? What was that like for you, the transition? Um, mate, I found it weird because even when I got out, I didn't know I was getting it. Um, I actually still don't know what happened. Right? I think it was just a screw was messing with me, but now you have to do the drug test. Aye. To, like, I touched nothing in prison because I was Aye. like, I want this tag, I want this tag. Took out myself to go and do the drug test to get the tag. Um, do it, and they're like, positive. And I was like, what? He was like, aye, test the positive, mate. Didn't give me any answers back to the cell. Um, and then two days later, taken out. So I don't know to this day whether, because there was one evening where I did wake up, my co-pilot was smoking heroin in, right. the, in the toilet. Um, but I don't think that would have tested positive. So I think right. they were just taking the piss at me. So got what out. a horrible thing to do. I mean, that, but so were you getting out and tagged in the drug test you two days I, before it? So you thought that's I the thought target? I thought I was not getting out. I was like, I sat at one day over six months. They've put you into a mode where, I mean, I don't know, it's, it's like, as it is, if they're, get, they're getting their laughs the same way as we were talking about the cons get their laughs with, with other cons do you know what I mean but they, they'll probably get the day the, the same thing like oh let's bam him up ah, well I've heard a story where the Niona Wan was a screw I think his name was Greeny I yes. remember Greeny aye and they used to tell people they'd high court bail but they didn't and they'd oh, go and get their stuff walked in the hall and they'd walked into the desk like ah, fuck off you're dick and they go nothing and I'm like, that must be to be lifted up so high and fucking just plummeted it could drive you to take drugs, do you know? I mean, you could ah, easily go back to yourself. Right, you could like, I've been violent. Like, like, I can't the, tag, the, uh, the, the potential tag is what kept me being good behaviour. When someone's starting on you, I'm like, just leave it, walk aye. away from it. Whereas if you've got nothing to worry about, like, aye. But so I did go out, obviously, and then um, I never, never got an answer for that, so it was weird. But uh, and 
I mean, I had that. So see, when I came out, I just wanted to, I wanted to be the good boy. My mum took me to shots, so I got a shirt and tie and stuff and just wanted to get like a job and avoid um, the sort of stuff I had been doing. But I couldn't get anything. It's like applying for just entry-level jobs, KFC, McDonald's, anything I could do Aye. without experience and getting nothing. And I don't know, not not... Don't always want to talk about it, but like that year I came out was probably the worst version of me there's ever been. Mm -hmm. Because you come out, like you know what Cumbernauld's like, mate, right. it's an echo chamber. You've come out, not only are like people, people want to hang about with you because you're the guy that's just come out of prison. Right. Um, suddenly lassies that never blinked an eye at you are interested in you. You've done a sentence, people so know. You could use it for, you could buy into a, you could buy into a kind of ego. Aye. Totally, mate. And then doors to, for you to better yourself are closing and doors for you to lean into that ego, that criminal lifestyle are opening. There's more opportunities because people know you're not going to grass, you're going to go Aye. to jail, you're going to keep mm -hmm. your mouth shut. So I was coming out and applying for these jobs, not happening, but people I used to be involved with are like, I'm on back. So, so that year, mate, was hard and I, I was probably the worst version of myself because I was leaning into that ego. And when, when doors are closing on you and you feel shite, it feels good to have that reputation and right. people looking up to you and people being scared of you. Um, so was were you basically inside feeling the worst you've ever felt, but on the face of it, probably people were looking at as if you were flying kind of thing? I thought I was, I like, because you feel good, obviously, you're out, you're right. elevated, you've got the pub. Like, I was obviously on that attack, so we'd go to the, uh, it was the Masonic at the time, and it'd be like, Eleven <laughs> takes open and my coffee was at like I was seventy seven, so we'd be like charging, chatted on down the street half an hour to go and bringing people back with me. And it was a, it was a party at first, but I met that got tiring quick as well because you're going there, people know you. Options are closing, and like for me, like I said, it ended up being university. It was, it was that last ditch effort, but I remember it only happened because. A girl I was dating at the time, she was like, she was going to university, not similar background, but she'd had a troubled upbringing. Right. She hadn't like really done well in school and stuff, and she was doing a course, and she's like, just apply, um, and did it. Never, never expecting to to get an offer. And I remember like sitting in the bath, hungover, and uh, she like pushed she, the mail came. She pushed it under the door, and it was a conditional Sentence. offer. I had to go to. Um, summer school man I cried in that bath right. I mean, might, might have been hangover but I think right. <laughs> it was almost elation but I knew I wasn't happy that year but it was like there was nothing else I could be and it was like I, I, I probably felt more optimistic in prison than I did that year outside on that tag just I because you can just see the doors closing and it's the worst I think the worst thing about it was that when you're in prison, there's no progressing. Like you're on hiatus, there's nothing you can do about it. And there's a sense of relief in that in a way. Yeah, a sense it's take, of comfort. Taking right. you away from a situation that's out of your hands now, okay. But see when you're out in the big bad world and now you've got to handle it and make things better for yourself. No one's giving you a pick me up no. and it's on you and nothing's working. It's a it's scary. Mm. So man, that I six months to a year, I was like, I felt really bad. But I thought it's only uni. Uni worked it for me. Um but I see if, see if that hadn't happened, I don't know. Because like, the options were like, getting exhausted. Do you know uh, what I mean? The options were limited. That, that's the thing I noticed as well. See, another thing why I think the last sentence was the hardest to adjust to, because the previous two, I stayed with my man, I stayed with my dad. I had no really much responsibility. I went back out and I could just pick up life at my own pace. 
This time it was going out, I had a house, I had to worry about, I had to figure out how I'm getting my rent paid, Aye. I had to get food, I had to pay gas and lecky, I had all these things, and it was like, for the minute I go back in the house, like, I had to go back in the house and clean it. That was, it was a riot, man, it was shit everywhere, the place was upside down. It was period just in the bed, man, my bed was bust, I couldn't have pumped a button on a period, no, that's how bad it is, it was fucking, I was like, the fuck? And uh, I was, I just that way, I remember, and it was like a good five, six hours I'd spent just trying to clean this house, and my, my head was fried, man, I was like, uh, and it was just right... I need to just get the ball rolling before, as I say, I had no aspirations, I was doing nothing, I was going back out, like that, right, oh, I can get mad with it tonight, I'll get mad with it the weekend, it's all that, it was like, there's so much responsibility, right. and when you're in jail, you've got all your laundry done for you, you've got your food provided for you, you even get a wee wage to buy stuff off the canteen, right. you get a phone that's in the hall, you don't need to pay any bills. They take, like, I, would, I would obviously, I would say to anybody to go and kind of look up Judge, Judge Charlene, his poem, it's amazing. It's like um, a judge in America who wrote a poem about how, um, actually, it's, it's in my book. I, wrote, I, I put it in my book because it was so good at just describing how they basically want you to learn how to be responsible, but they take all your responsibility off you. They, like, like, they ask you not to be a violent so they put you where all the violence is they ask you you know to take drugs so they put you where all the drugs are mm. they put they, do you know what i mean it's like the polar opposite for the way they want you to be they put you in a place where it's absolutely the normal do you know what i mean um but listen it's been fucking brilliant having your own man i've absolutely loved this podcast but i'll leave you you guys just with a wee final message i know by anything you just want to promote and like you can you can promote um but just a wee message maybe even to like the younger ones that are going to watch this the young team just to kind of let them know look this isn't really a life that you really want to go down so i'll just leave you guys with a wee message and anything you just want to promote um on you go jordan you can go first well if man. you've watched this full podcast for the start to the end and you still think that jail's an attractive prospect then i suggest you go and get a try because you've clearly never been in jail before and maybe a sentence might do the world a good but i wouldn't encourage you to commit crime take it for us we've all done a fair bit of time between us and we spent a full podcast mentioning all the negatives about it. We didn't need, don't get me wrong, there is probably positives you can take for it, but you can take a lot more positives for life. It's like, why press pause in your life? You've only got a limited time on this planet, and it's like, you realise once the control's been taken away from you, that how much you miss it. And right. it's like, that's the one thing, you need to reframe your perspective and things. Like when you're in there, you look at, you appreciate your freedom because it's been taken away from you. You appreciate spending time with the family because it's been taken away from you. But, that thing, it's like, you appreciate it when you get out, but when you get out, who's to say the same family members will be there? Life changes outside, and it's like, a scary thing, like, we spoke about it before, Sean, it's like, I think when jail's the hardest, when it becomes, the situation, the reality of the situation sets in when your ma, whoever, your loved ones are coming up to see you, and you're seeing the wrinkles in their face, you're seeing the wee grey hairs, and that reminds you that people are getting older, it's Aye. like, life is going on without you, and you'll get older and all, but that's all, the old age, you'll know, gain it, and you can maybe pursue things in jail, but not to the same degree you can do it outside, and as you say, it's a high pressure, high toxic environment, and nobody wants to be there, nobody's in jail, like, this is class, if they are, no. then show them sympathy, because they fucking need it, so my advice to be is, find a passion, find something worthwhile, pursue it, because crime, that'll just take you to jail, jails are made for crime, so if you want to break the law and commit crime, or the power to you, man, but you can't have the good with the bad. 
what I mean? You need to take the good with the bad, should I say, sorry. So that's where it's going to land you. So find something that half interests you and put your all into it, man, because uh, it will serve you and it will serve humanity a lot more than you rotting away in a jail cell because that's what you'll be doing, essentially. But if you want to find me talking more about my perils of wisdom, scheme philosophy, I like to call it, <laughs> check me out, Premeditated Patter on YouTube and Spotify. If you want to get me on any social media, it's Hawaii underscore Five O F I V O. If you want to get me on TikTok, it's F A W A I I underscore H I V O. That's for Y I V O. I've had a few bands, so I've had to get creative with the usernames, man. But I, but an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to grace the green room for the first time. Broke my green room virginity here. <laughs> pop the pop the green cherry. <laughs> How my mate Matt chat? I know, mate. I don't know. Can I add too much to that? But it's like the boys that I, the boys that I'm sitting with right now as well. But like. 90%, 99, probably high 90s percent of the guys that I was in with are still in, either still in prison or still in and out. Just that cycle, it's a hard thing to escape. So, like, I think by all means, fucking avoid it, first of all, if you can. And then if you do find yourself in that position, you should do what you can to distance yourself from it. And it's easy to say that with retrospect on it when you're sitting here right. at the other side, because we spoke about that somewhat earlier. It's like, the hardest thing I had to do was move on and leave that community behind. Like when I was going to university and stuff, I didn't, a huge part of me didn't want it because I had no friends at uni. So it's much easier not to find yourself in that position. And then for people on the other side of it as well, like the boys that have turned their life around, or women too, I'm sure, but it's, it's getting the opportunities that are hard. So you need to be given those opportunities. And I've, like, I wouldn't be here doing living a normal life was it not for people taking a chance on me and giving me a second chance so you need that you need that shot um, and there's a quote I can't remember where it came from but it was like you want to go fast go alone you want to go far go together right. like you, you need people around you you need to have a good circle around you and you need to give people options so um, aye man just don't find yourself in our but stay away from the young team stay away from the drugs kids um, but you find me, find me on Instagram at Saddam Raja. You can done a film with Berghouse actually. I got a logo in uh, the Ascension series. It's uh, Adam Raja, I think it's called, uh, on YouTube. But now, mate, pleasure to finally meet you in person, Sean. I knew Sean for back in the day, and the young team. I think I spoke to him on the phone when he was in jail, and I was still running around the scheme. <laughs> no, uh, no, his family stuff. But now, pleasure to meet you, big man. My pleasure, all, mate. Good to meet Sitting you. Sitting in too. your shadow area, but now, pleasure. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. No, no, and I think just to finish up, I just. Um, and you can just give me an eye on this because I know you'll say aye, but if you look at all your pals, right, that you grew up with, um, all the boys that were like, if you want to call them, like the boys that were like, oh, they're the ones that are with all the reputations and this and that, I think you'll agree that you'll find most of them are probably addicted to drugs somewhere down the line or like somewhere traumatised. Addicted to, to something. If they're not addicted to drugs, they're addicted to the image. They're addicted aye. to that external validation that comes with it, but... Tell you something, man, they'll no get addicted to jail because <laughs> that's what comes with. These things act as a vacuum. See, if you want to be it, we talked about it earlier. It's like, see these people that want to operate, it looks good, and you look at the high life, like these big luxury cars, luxury holidays, and that kind of thing. But that comes at a cost. Definitely. And it's like, it's two sides of the pendulum. Do you accept that jail's a part of it? Because it is, because that just acts as a vacuum. A vacuum Aye. when you see the top guys they're only top for so long then they're caught and jailed then the next one moves into it and it's only a matter of time 
or do you become what is known as a grass? And in order to preserve your freedom, you need to sacrifice your integrity. And not a lot of people want to admit it, but that's the only two outcomes you've got. Or the day a long jail stint came back out and you probably get nothing left, as you say, 10, 20 years in the jail. Everybody's moved on, all your money's gone. Is it worth it? So, no, definitely. Aye. Good way to put it, man. 5 0, definitely. But uh, listen, no, thank you for coming out to social sessions. And listen, I'm hoping that I'll get you back on at some point. We can. Uh, over something else, you know what I mean? Because I've absolutely loved this man, it's and I've really enjoyed it. Um, so thank you very much for coming on. Pleasure's all mine, thank you, mate. Like, subscribe, and don't get wide. <laughs> <laughs> Do what he does. <laughs>